Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Down the block, Andrew John. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle has won. G'day guys, welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. We had our Supercoach draft over the weekend, as you would have seen via my social medias and whatnot. Uh, we're going to drop our entire team on Tuesday afternoon, so stay tuned for that. Kat is going to sit down and interview me, ask me about each and every pick, why I made that selection, etc., etc. So I'll open up uh, my entire uh, playbook to uh, how I went through the draft and why I picked certain guys. Uh, there's a couple of times where I think I did make mistakes in hindsight, and I can talk about my thinking and where I went wrong there. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to reveal all of that on Tuesday afternoons. That'll be on YouTube as well if you want to check that out. That'll be good fun. Kat is going to absolutely roast me. So really, really looking forward to that content there. It's always good to look back on draft once you're calm and you're out of the fire. You're out of the inferno and you can look back and, and just have a look at what you were thinking and whatnot. Uh, so yeah, plenty to talk about there. That's going to be really good. But I thought for you guys today, uh, as I know that my draft would have been one of the earliest drafts that would have been done, I thought it might be good to go through and just take you through our first first two rounds. So in my competition, we have 14 teams, right? So it is pretty deep, 14 teams, and we have 18 players in each team. So we have one hooker, two front row forward, three two RFs, a halfback, a 5'8", four CTWs. The CTW is pretty deep. And then one fullback, then we have five on the bench. We went to five on the bench from four uh, last year, and I really like the change, to be honest with you. It gives us a little bit more depth. Uh, When you're in a deep comp like that, you want to be able to hold guys that are injured and whatnot for a long period of time. Uh, but it's very hard when you've only got the four. So adding the fifth spot made it a little bit easier. So when you think about that, 14 teams, um, you know, times 18 players, that is a fuck load of players. It's, was it 250-odd or something like that? Yeah, 252 players. So a big whack of the NRL when you consider there is, what, 17 teams that start, 17 teams that play every weekend, only 17 in those teams. Uh, there's only 289 players that play every single week, and we've got to draft 252 of them. So um, pretty tough. It is pretty deep. 
uh, and you take a lot of flies, take a lot of risks and whatnot. But in the first two rounds, uh, it normally is pretty safe. You normally get pretty established stars. So I thought I'd take you through round one and round two. So the guy that had round one, uh, pick number one, he actually went a little bit rogue. He went Nico Hines. Uh, personally, I would have gone Nathan Cleary, one of my takes coming out of the weekend. Uh, and I've sort of said this for the last few months to you guys. I'm a little bit worried about how Braden Trindle is going to affect uh, Nico Hines. Now, you know, average, you know, had an incredible season last year. He averaged an absolute stack. Am I expecting Hines' average to fall through the arse? No, I'm not, but I think he will regress a little bit. So last year he averaged 95 points. I reckon he'll be in like the 80s this year, which is still a fantastic knock. It is still, you know, a pick one, pick two sort of area, but I do do think he regresses a little bit. Uh, I know that people say, oh, we've got the sample size. He scores hundreds with Trindle. That's completely fine. If you look at the average with Trindle across all the games, though, it is actually lower um, than what it was with Matty Moylan and quite significantly. So I do think it is going to have an impact on him. And, fuck, I thought it was really evident on Friday night in the All-Stars game that it's going to have an impact on him. People took the take of, um, oh, you know, he was he had a sloppy game. He was a little bit off and he scored 70. I'll give you the hot tip. He wasn't off. He was playing the fucking role he's going to play with Braden Trindle this year, which was him getting more attacking ball. He's not going to sit in a pocket like Matt Moylan and wait until he's caught upon. Trindle is not that sort of player, and this is what I've been saying for a long time. Um, and you know what? People are like, oh, he scored 70 on an off night. Sure. Where did he score 30 or 40 of those points? I'll give you the hot tip. In the six-minute window that Braden Trindle left the field, and Nico Hines went absolutely berserk in that period. So uh, I am a little bit worried about Nico Hines. If I had picked two, I would have gone Kalen Ponger over him personally. But Nico Hines, he went one in our comp. I don't think you would, could possibly let him slide beyond three. But he went number one in our comp. Now, number two obviously went Nathan Cleary and would have been fucking stoked uh, when he looked up and Nathan Cleary was still sitting there. So they were the first two that went, as they will be in most competitions. Uh, It'll be interesting to see what the Nico Hines backlash is over the next few weeks. I'm pretty confident the guy that picked Nico Hines in my comp didn't watch that All-Stars game. Um, I I think he was on the piss, and I'm not sure if he would have cared anyway. Uh, So Nico Hines, Nathan Cleary, one and two. In my competition, Tom Trevojevic went number three, which really surprised me. And Caelan Ponga went number four. So uh, I guess Tommy Turbo, you know, it wasn't a leg injury last year. It was a pec injury. So, and, and maybe they're just worried about the Caelan Ponga head knocks and that's fine. I think that when you're picking uh, your top pick, you pick the player that you think is going to score the most points if they stay fit all year. So I would have gone Ponga over Turbo, but, uh, you know, we're really fighting over nothing here. So those four, I think they'll be the first four in the vast majority of comps. Hines, Cleary, Turbo, Ponga in whatever the hell order you want it to go in. Now, this is where number five had a bit of a wild card. And for you guys playing at home, I had pick number eight. I ended up with pick number eight. Uh, So I sort of thought, you know what? I think all those really gun fullbacks and halfbacks will be gone by the time it gets to me. Uh, So I might take a little punt on Ryan Pappenhausen, which was my thinking. Um, Turns out the guy at number five, Phil, he actually took a gamble on Ryan Pappenhausen. So he took him at number five, uh, which is a very interesting pick. I'm not going to... I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, that's too early, and I know a lot of you will, but for me, I think Phil looked around the room and said, okay, can I? do I think I can beat Hines and Cleary, uh, Turbo and Ponga with Walsh? Maybe. I, I probably doubt it personally. Do I think I can beat him with Luttrell? 
I don't know, drinky maybe. Uh, but for me, I think if you get Ryan Pappenhausen at his absolute best and his goal kicking, which is the gamble that Phil's taken, you can compete with those top sides, uh, those top draft picks in a captain's league. So I completely understand why Phil's done it, and I really respect it. Um, I would have gone Pappy at number eight if he was still there, to be honest with you. I would have rolled the dice on him just because of his incredible ceiling. Uh, number six went Reese Walsh. Uh, number seven went Latrell Mitchell. And then I had picked number eight. As I said, I thought I was going to go go Pappy because I thought they'd all be slid up one. But because Phil went Pappy at five, uh, I was then able to get Scotty Drinkwater. And I was very, very happy to get Drinkwater because I'll be honest with you, I was a little bit worried uh, about who the fuck I was going to take next. That would have been very alarming because the next few names, I'm not overly keen on. Uh, at number nine, we had Dylan Brown. Uh, I just, I've said it before, I just don't think you can win a comp with Dill Brown. I just don't think he's got the big enough ceiling for me. Um, I understand the argument about 5'8 being a real shallow position. I get that. That's not really how I play my super coach, though, and that's not how I do my first picks. My first picks are the guy that I can captain week in, week out and feel reasonably confident that he can go 100 plus. Uh, I know Dill Brown had a couple of 100 plus scores last year and I understand that. Uh, but when you have a look at the scores he had, I mean, I think his highest was 113. That just doesn't cut it for me. Uh, so I I wouldn't have gone Dill Brown. The next one after that is Daly Cherry Evans. I also wouldn't have gone Daly Cherry Evans. Uh, the next one after that was Cody Walker. I probably wouldn't have gone Cody Walker either, to be honest with you. Um, so, Dill Brown, 9. Daly Cherry Evans, 10. Cody Walker, 11. Sean Johnson went at 12. Um, sorry, so Dill Brown, 9. Cherry Evans, 10. Cody Walker, 11. Sean Johnson at 12. I don't love that coming off a career-high year, but we'll see. Harry Grant went at 13. Cam Munster went at 14. So, that was the order uh, that was the first round order for my comp. Hines, Cleary, Travojevic, Ponga, Pappenhausen, Walsh, Mitchell, Drinkwater, Brown, Cherry Evans, Cody Walker, SJ, Harry Grant, Cam Munster. Um, I think you can really see from pick eight onwards, there's a huge cliff there. There is a huge cliff. Uh, and I do, I, do, I do like that my comp has worked out, Harry Grant, that I don't think it's worth going him as a first pick. He fell all the way to 12 this year. I remember last year everyone was telling me, you have to go Harry Grant at seven. You have to. Hooker, you have to do it. You have to do it. I, I just I don't believe it at all. I think it's bullshit. And I'm glad that my comp has sort of realized that. So Harry Grant dropped all the way to 13th, which I think is fair. There are guys that, you know, if you aren't as into Supercoach Draft, you aren't as obsessed as I am and all that sort of shit that you might just want to lock up. The guy that is in a shallow position, like a Dill Brown, like a Cherry Evans, like a Harry Grant, and I get that. Uh, but I just don't I just don't think it's enough. Um Week to week. For me, I would rather go like a high-ceiling CTW who has a good run come finals time than one of those guys. That's just me personally. Um, I always go for the highest ceiling I possibly can in the first round. So for me, you know, I got Greg Mars, who picked number two. I seriously would have considered having him over uh, Dill Brown, Cherry Evans, Cody Walker, SJ, Harry Grant, Cam Munster. Um, guys like Val Holmes, goal King fullback with a high ceiling. I probably would have rathered them as well. So... Different perspectives, different ways to approach draft. That's just how I do mine. Um, and obviously, everyone has different strategies and whatever that, that and different strategies that work for other people. Uh, but I just think those ceilings, especially in a captain's league like mine, it's just so important. So I would have gone in a, in a different direction there. Now, let's go to round two of our draft. So keep in mind, it's a snake order. So the guy that picked Cam Munster, he was pick 14. So he then went again. 
um, and he picked Mitch Moses. So he locked himself up with a halfback and a 5'8". So he has solved a lot of headaches for himself straight away. I get that. Uh, but Mitch Moses, similar to Dill Brown, I just don't know if he can win you a comp. Uh, those two guys, I'm just not confident that I'll get 100 out of one of them. Uh, on any given week, you know what I mean? But when you're at pick 14, it does get pretty tough. Um, if I was pick 14, and if I would have been lower on my draft, any lower than eight, really where that cliff was, um, I personally would have gone pick 14. And one of my players that I would have picked would have been Dave Fafita. I would have been happy to swallow the first five weeks. And the other guy that I would have picked is James Tedesco. Um, I know he's copping a lot of shit at the moment. I know people are jumping all over him. I've spoken to a few people and whatnot. I think he's in for a little bounce back this year. Uh, so the guy that got Teddy actually got him in round two, which was a very nice little get. John got James Tedesco. So I went Mitch Moses at 15, James Tedesco at 16. Dylan Edwards went at 17. I hated that. I just I don't understand the appeal in any way, shape, or form there. Going Dylan Edwards uh, at number 17, didn't like that. Uh, didn't really make that much sense to me. Um, yeah, Dylan Edwards at 17. Tino then went at 18. I mean, sure, uh, but, you know, dual position, handy. I fuck, I 100% would have gone with a big CTW here. We know that Desi Hasler, uh, he's pretty well known for completely fucking up super coach forwards in the past. So not a play that I would have gone for as well there. Uh, so you have a look at the guys that I'll just make sure I've got them all so that I can tell you who they've been paired up with so you can understand some of the strategies. Uh, so the guy that got Mitch Moses, he had Cameron Munster. The guy that got James Tedesco, he also had Harry Grant, so he's locked up fullback and hooker. Uh, I actually think Teddy was a very good value play in round two. I'd be stoked with that if I picked up Teddy there. Uh, grand final week in our comp, he plays the Rabbitohs. He's going to play that game. I think he's in for a little bit of a bounce back. You think about all the things that went wrong for Teddy last year, he still averaged pretty fucking well. Uh, so t- Teddy's a little a good little grab there. Uh the guy that had 17th pick, which was Dylan Edwards, he's paired Dylan Edwards up with Sean Johnson, so locked up fullback and halfback. Uh, the guy that had Cody Walker, he then got Tino. So Cody Walker into Tino, I really don't love that. Uh, I know Tino's got the duel and that's going to come in handy, but yeah, I don't know. Cody Walker, like he just has to do so much to score. I had him last year and he was fantastic. Uh, I just wonder if with Latrell Mitchell back playing consistently, um, you know, Campbell Graham going to be missing from that edge. They linked up quite a lot for points last year. I don't know. I'm just I, just, I just worry that Cody Walker's not going to score as many points when Latrell's on and firing just because of the way that Supercoach reward points. But we'll see. Uh, the guy that picked Daly Cherry Evans, uh, he got Dave Fafita. I thought this was really good value. Dave Fafita at pick 19. Um, if he was fit and playing round one, he probably goes in the top 10 picks, I would say. Um, so I like this. There is a risk with the Des Hasler effect. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but honestly, my way of thinking with draft, and you guys will know this if you've listened to me for a long time, the first five weeks, who gives a fuck? It's about the last five weeks. So him missing five weeks, honestly, I wouldn't have even moved him off my draft board. I was really hoping that everyone had shit themselves and leave him and avoid him, and I would have just swallowed him up in a heartbeat, Dave Fafita. Uh, so I thought that was a good little get. Uh, the guy that went, Dylan Brown, he then backed it up with Jerome Hughes, once again, I question ceiling. I don't know. Um, and, you know, granted, he's locked up 5'8 and halfback. So if that's the way you approach a super coach, it, it's different to how I do it. Doesn't mean it's wrong. Uh, but yeah, Hughesy and Dill Brown, I just worry. Um, and that's the guy that actually won our comp last year, and he won it with Nico Hines and Fafita, you know, really high ceiling guys. I just question if Hughes and Brown has, has got what it takes to really have that knockout blow. 
Um, in saying that, if you are going to draft like those two guys who are both very solid, they lock up good positions. If you can just get a very stable team for the rest of it, you can win most games. But fuck, like the reason why he won last year is because of the high ceilings he had in his team. Um, so yeah, that and, and that's the reason why most guys win comps because they've got the high ceiling. So that one I'm a little bit worried about as a combo. Uh, the guy that took Scott Drinkwater was me. I then went Greg Marshew. As I said, I love my high ceiling guys. Um, I want to chase that high, high ceiling. And I, I had the choice of Greg Marshew or Brian To'o. Um, my th- thought process was that I think KP is going to have a very big season. So I was happy to go with Kalen Ponga. Uh, sorry, I was, I was happy to back in Kalen Ponga to go Greg Marshew there. I had a plan to get Bradman Best later, but he went a lot earlier than I thought I, I, he would, so I missed out on that. But Greg Marshew, I was more than happy to swallow him up there. Um, he's a guy that can go, you know, 130-plus on any given week. Even when he doesn't score a try, he still scores. He, I would say he averages around the 45-point mark. Uh, so, yeah, was very, very happy to take Greg Marshew there. Would have been happy to take Brian To'o as well. I just, who went next? Brian To'o went next. So he was paired up with Latrell Mitchell. Uh, my my only downside with Brian To'o was that I just don't know who's going to be inside him. And I know we're all sitting here going, ah, oh, Stephen Crichton's gone. Brian To'o's going to get my, more ball. He might not. If it's Taylor May or if it's Isaac Tungo, like if it's Isaac Tungo, he could get less ball than he got last year. So... That's just a little bit of a worry for me. Uh, so that's sort of why I went Marshew over him. Ruben Garrick was the next guy to go. Uh, obviously, center wing fullback. That dual position is very, very handy to have a goal kicker. Um, he's moving to right center, which I don't know. I would have preferred him on the wing. Uh, as long as Turbo's fit, I would have preferred him on the wing. I do think he is the next choice fullback at the Manly Seagulls. So if Turbo goes down, you get a little plus there. They might go Kohler. But I personally think that lead towards Ruben Garrick. Uh, Kohler carved up the bottom two sides in a two-week span when Ruben Garrick was injured. But Ruben Garrick, the year before when Turbo was injured, pretty much had them in the top eight uh, until Jersey Gate happened. So Ruben Garrick, I don't mind that. Goal-kicking guy with upside. I just don't love the center move. I don't love it for NRL, and I don't love it for Supercoach in particular. Uh, the next guy went Matty Burton. So he paired Matty Burton up with Ryan Pappenhausen. Uh, Matty Burton, obviously, dual position, so that will come in handy. But once again, I do not know if I want to rely on a Canterbury Bulldogs ball player uh, who has who has seriously low scores in him uh, when my season's on the line. I, I don't love that. I know he's goal-kicking. That's great, but I don't know how many points they're going to score. Um yeah, if he you know if he lands with Kikau outside him and Stephen Crichton at centre there, there should be points scored there, and hopefully Burton can have a big season. But I'm a little bit nervous about that one. Um, Twenty five Payne Haas. Uh, I don't love going front row forwards early, uh, but Payne Haas was paired up with here with Caleb Ponga. Uh, I don't hate that because you got that high ceiling of KP uh, Payne Haas. You know what you're going to get every single week. He's going to be a seventy. I think Caleb Ponga absolutely brains it this year. So. I don't mind that little pairing, but if it was any other front row forward other than Payne Haas, I would fucking hate it. Um, so, yeah, interesting there. Obviously, Payne Haas, he might get a little bit of an uptick this year with Flegler leaving and whatnot. They run with two hookers. Uh, so there's a few reasons why Payne Haas can do well there. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 50-50 on that one, but I, I, I can understand why he did it. Uh, the next one is Jermaine Sarko. Hate this. Absolutely hate this pick. Uh, he's been paired up with Tom Trevojevic. Uh, Jermaine Asako is playing outside. You know, and I drafted Jermaine Asako last year, complimented him till the cows came home. It was unreal. 
But if he's playing outside Herbie Farmworth, fucking miss me with that. Uh, he scored 25 tries, I think it was, last year, and he was tremendous, or 24 or something like that. Honestly, outside Herbie, he, he probably goes sub-18 tries this year, which is still not a bad knock. I think Jermaine Osako, he's still kicking goals. He still does a lot of work coming out of his own end, but fuck, even 18 tries might be generous. I reckon he scores a lot less tries. If Herbie stays inside him, that really worries me. We watched Herbie this afternoon play a bit of centre, didn't pass the ball. When he, when he got into fullback, he did, to be fair, to his credit. Uh, but I really worry about Jermaine Osako playing outside Herbie Farmworth, so I didn't like that pick. Um, pick 27. I thought this value was unreal. Valentine Holmes. I absolutely love this pick. I seriously considered Val. The only thing that stopped me from going Val was that I had already picked Drinkwater. Um, and I didn't want to have two Cowboys. My Cowboys, the, the 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 downside to them is that they do have a bye during the Supercoach finals. So I thought, fuck, if I pick Val and I pick Drinky, uh, it limits my VC opportunities throughout the year. And if I have to play that week, I'm completely fucked. So I think Val, tremendous value at 27. I think he has serious potential um, to go top CTW this year. I think he has a good year, Val Holmes. So really like that pick. Paired up with Nathan Cleary is fucking terrifying. Um, I really like that little combo there, Val Holmes and Nathan Cleary. And then the guy that went Nico Hines first overall, he went my boy, Jermaine Hopgood, uh, which, yeah, I found that one a little bit bizarre, to be honest with you. I, uh, I don't I, – I even – like, I love Hopgood. Even I wouldn't have gone him uh, that early. Um, average 73 last year, which was – very impressive. I just, yeah, I, I don't know. It just seemed like a bit of an odd pick for me. Uh, but when you have got a guy like Nico Hines, I mean, you can sort of stay on the straight and narrow for the rest of it. Uh, and I'm not sure who else was available after him. Let's have a look who was available in round three, actually. Sorry, every time I open this, it fucking refreshes itself. Let's have a look. Because uh, to be fair, Kurt might have found himself in a spot where there was no one else that was appealing. Other guys that were taken after him, Joey Manu, Gutherson, JMK, Isaac Tungo, Sam Walker, Luke Brooks, Olakawatu, Britton Nicola, Damien Cook, Will Kennedy, Hamiso. Yeah, so even like a Hamiso I probably would have rathered. Uh, maybe locking up a hooker like a Damien Cook maybe. He already had a halfback, so Sam Walker, no point. JMK would have been a nice get too. Um, yeah, okay, m- maybe it's not as bad as I first thought. Uh, but, jeez, Luke Brooks went early. Holy fuck, that's a big punt. Olakawatu would have been a nice little get there. Maybe a Britton Nicola. Uh, probably would have rathered him round three as well. Yeah, so it's interesting. Maybe Jermaine Hopgood wasn't as bad as I thought, uh, but just him as a round two pick, I don't love it. Uh, but I guess if you are pairing him up with an absolute superstar like Nico Hines, I can also understand it. So I guess it all depends, guys, when your super coach finals are. That's the other thing, like the, the Sean Johnson pick. Uh, he doesn't play... Uh, in the last week of the season, which is our Supercoach Finals. That's the other big hindrance there. So for where he went, uh, I really don't know about that pick. Where did he go? 12 overall. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. 
So knowing Sean Johnston isn't going to play in the grand final no matter what, uh, that's where I would have much rather gone a Val Holmes, a Greg Marzio, a Brian Toto, one of these guys. But uh, interesting to see how it plays out for everyone. I'm obviously biased to my picks because uh, I was happy with how I went and whatnot. Uh, and I have a very different thought process to a lot of the other guys in my competition, which doesn't mean it's right or wrong. Just different ways to look at it. And I just always see it the way that I see it, obviously. Uh, but yeah, that's how our first 24 picks went. First pick, Nico Hines. Second, Nathan Cleary. Third, Tom Travojevic. Four, Kalen Ponga. Five, Ryan Pappenhausen. Six, Reese Walsh. Seven, Latrell Mitchell. Eight, Scotty Drinkbloke, 9, Dylan Brown, 10, DCE, 11, Cody Walker, 12, SJ, 13, Harry Grant, and Cam Munster went pick 14. Just switching over now. 15, Mitch Moses, 16, James Tedesco, 17, Dill Edwards, 18, Tino, uh, 19, Fafita, 20, Jerome Hughes, 21, Greg Marshew, 22, Brian To'o, 23, Ruben Garrick, 24, Matty Burton, 25, Payne Haas, 26, Jermaine Isako, 27, Val Holmes, and 28, the Hop Goat, Jermaine Hopgood. That's how our first 28 picks went, guys, and how I thought uh, those picks went and how I rated them and whatnot. A heap of different ways to look at it. That's just how I see it. <laughs> 